0: I'm Carl Franklin, I live in Connecticut in the United States and I've just started a ketogenic diet to take control of my metabolism.
1: G'day, I'm uh, Richard Morris in Canberra, Australia. I've been on a ketogenic diet now since uh, April of 2014 when I started I was very sick with complications from type 2 diabetes. Uh, Within six months of starting a ketogenic diet, all my biomarkers of disease had disappeared.
0: I also have type 2 diabetes, and we're going to share the progress of my journey into ketosis and Richard's experience thriving for years on ketosis. And hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking.
1: We're not doctors, so we're not going to give anyone any medical advice, but we are keen to share our own experiences. We're actually both software developers, so we're not afraid of a little technical yep. detail, yeah. But uh, we've we've done a bit of research into our own deranged metabolisms and the science behind those, uh, and we hope to share some of that research. And where possible, we intend to put links in the show notes to cite the research supporting any claims that we make.
0: Right. You'll probably work out pretty quickly that we're both foodies. We love to eat. We're also going to share some of the great food that we can eat on this diet. And every episode, we both share a recipe for an essential keto meal that we eat regularly. So let's get going with podcast number three, the insulin show. Well, first of all, Richard, do we have any errata from, uh, you know, any, any things that we want to correct about the last show?
1: Sure, Carl. Um. So I listened to the episode. Uh, in fact, I I went for a bike ride today. Uh, fifty k bike ride around Cam- at the lake in the middle of Canberra today, listening to us speak as part of my preparation for tonight. And um, I misspoke. Uh, I twice. Um, I said I mentioned that uh, Robert Lustig said that fructose causes insulin sensitivity, but of course, I I intended to say that he said that fructose causes the insulin resistance ultimately makes glucose an acute poison.
0: Little difference there.
1: Yeah a slight difference, yeah. Um, also I mentioned that the ancient Greeks discovered that diabetes is related to sugar by tasting it. Well actually that's not entirely true. Ooh. Yeah, it was an Englishman named Thomas Willis who in sixteen seventy four discovered that urine of a diabetic patient was wonderfully sweet as if imbued by honey
0: invite the neighbors honey so. we're having a drink party
1: <laughs> exactly now the ancient greeks were the ones who noticed that people who had diabetes had insatiable thirst and peed all the time so the name diabetes is actually a greek for siphon so they have quite a sense of humor these greeks
0: that's awesome well before we get started with insulin let's check in how are you doing i remember you were on a plateau like me
1: yeah, I've, well, I've actually been on a plateau for quite, for almost 18 months now. I go up and down a little bit, but for the most part, uh, for the first five, six months, I I was on a massive um, weight loss, and then all of a sudden I, I plateaued. But in that time that I plateaued, a lot of my metabolic markers got better. So my wow. HbA1c dropped from 5.5% down to 5.2%. Hmm. Uh, my HDL rate uh, went up. And my triglycerides went down. Uh, so there were a lot of things that were happening. Also, I, I lost about eight inches off around my belly. So mm. while I wasn't really um, putting on or losing weight, my body was becoming much more healthy. Well,
0: perhaps and, you were gaining muscle mass, which happens Right, you're...
1: That's right, yeah. And it could be a net a net zero effect. But uh, right. so I, I tried fasting last weekend and I had a wonderful success with that. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm actually going to uh, integrate fasting, uh, an extended fast of two or three days, into probably every month or every two months um, uh, because the re- results for my blood sugar were spectacular.
0: Well, uh, I got to tell you, I was on a plateau and we did the show last week. And the next day I broke the plateau. And I did it by, I think, what did it. And, of course, I don't know because I'm not doing any scientific studies or anything. But I started walking. I have a treadmill desk. And three days out of the week, this past week, I walked an hour each day. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And it's great just because I set up a a laptop and I watch, you know, old reruns of star trek and things that i like and (laughs) i can watch one and a half episodes before an hour goes up and it just flies by it's great
1: yeah so do you do you you actually feel like exercise or are you pushing yourself to do it
0: no i felt great and i felt like i needed to like i said before i had this urge my body was telling me you need to get up and move yeah and you know i'm so used to ignoring my what my body tells me because most of my life it's been a bitch you know (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Unreliable. (laughs) So, but now, um, I feel so good that, uh, you know, I can pick up on the things that I'm, I'm feeling physically. And, uh, those are signals that you need to do something different. Yeah. And so in terms of, um, weight loss and everything, uh, I've been going great for, this is my fourth week, right? End of my fourth week. Sure. And You're gonna see the um, recipe that I'm gonna share today is a low carb waffle.
1: Oh, nice! And I
0: had that during the week, and it was fine and great. And then come yesterday, so my wife and I are out watching a show, and we had we found a good place that did low carb, high fat dinner for us, and that was great. Nice. But breakfast the next day was at a hotel. I got uh, blue crab eggs Benedict. With a side of bacon. Oh, nice. I didn't get any bread or anything. So, that came on a bed of blue crab. And I didn't know this, but blue crab is really kind of sweet. Yeah. So, after taking a couple bites, I was like, uh, I don't want to bite that anymore. And even the hollandaise seemed like it wasn't f- full fat. Like, it seemed like... And the bacon was so crisp that it was not greasy or anything. And I'm like, mm. I wonder if I'm eating enough fat. Yeah. But that got me through the day. And I add a little cream to my coffee and everything. But then... Around three o'clock yesterday, I was like, oh, I got to make those waffles again. And I think I can do this. Yeah. And I changed something in the mix. I used a maltitol based pancake syrup versus a splenda based right. pancake syrup. The maltitol is much sweeter, mm. and I was missing that kind of sweetness. And guess what? what? Blew me out. Oh, it blew dear. me out yeah. of ketosis. Yeah. Yeah. And I rediscovered, I just discovered that I have a sensitivity to maltitol. That I didn't realize. It's
1: unfortunate because it's
0: in a lot of the Atkins bars
1: and a lot of other things. They uh, they put maltitol in, and it's a slower absorbing sugar, but it it'll it'll turn into glucose fairly quickly. So
0: so what happened was, I immediately, and I'm talking a half an hour afterwards, I immediately felt like I'd just eaten a Twinkie. You know? Oh no! Yeah. Yeah, and that whole carb thing came back my muscles felt strained and i knew i knew i was kicked out yeah and uh yeah this morning although the p-strip said that i was in moderate ketosis they do kind of lie a blood test last night um or a breath test right ketone test was negative last night so this morning i got right back on the wagon and uh just
1: gotta get right back on the horse yeah
0: yeah i had my bulletproof coffee and after about a half an hour, those the, the feelings started to subside. That's my experience.
1: I'm actually lucky. Most of the sugar alcohols don't affect me, but maltitol is one that does. So
0: Yeah, i got to watch that. And we're going to do a whole show on artificial sweeteners. Yeah. Just for anyone who's curious, the less sweet Splenda-based pancake syrup that I used was Walden Farms pancake syrup. Okay, cool. And it has a good maple flavor. It's just not very sweet. Yeah, and that had absolutely no effect on me. I had a wonderful time with it, but then I ordered this other stuff based on people's recommendations. Joseph's sugar-free maple syrup, and uh yeah, well, let's just say that that's what that it's maltitol based, and it blew me out of ketosis. Yeah.
1: The other thing you could probably find is that sometimes if you've got a not a great chef, you'll find that they'll get hollandaise out of a jar, and that stuff uses starches to gel the stuff. Yeah. It's not made on the on the moment, so um, you, you might find that you probably had some sneaky starches inside the the hollandaise, and yeah. the, the crab may have been soaked in sugar and uh, sugar and salt. Too. Yeah,
0: it may have, but it is a naturally sweet crab, right? Yeah, blue crab is, but I didn't eat I didn't eat most of it, so. I just had a few bites. Yeah, it was bound to happen. <laughs> back,
1: back up on the horse. Back up, back <laughs> up, up on the horse. horse exactly.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it just it feels so crappy that I I need to get back to this good feeling again. Yeah. And so that's what sort of what's driving me. Okay. We've got a podcast to do, my friend. Let's do
1: a podcast. Let's talk about <laughs> insulin, huh?
0: <laughs> so just to back up a bit, what is a ketogenic diet anyway?
1: well for the keto curious of um, people who are, have been t- hearing us talk about it you go if you go back to chapter one or episode one you'll hear a fairly in-depth detail of it but yeah. the the essence is that you restrict your carbohydrate intake to just incidental carbs so you know if you have a little bit of spinach, Little spinach has a little bit of carbs in it, and uh, that's that's not a bad thing. But you don't want to have mm-hmm. things like potatoes and rice and wheat and and starches and sugars,
0: um, right? And I said before that you want to limit it to thirty uh, grams a day. They say 50 grams a day is enough to be in ketosis, but I believe even on the Atkins induction diet, it's 20. Yeah. So, uh, you know, in- incidental is good. Don't yeah. count them for no. cripe's sake, you know. No, just- that's
1: it. The other thing is that um, you can subtract the fiber because you don't digest fiber. Now, if you look at a n- nutritional information of a, of a food, it'll say how many carbohydrates it has. and It'll probably say how much fiber mm. it is. And for the most part, you can subtract that.
0: So you get net carbs.
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: So what about protein?
1: You just have enough m- enough protein to maintain your muscles. So it's actually one gram of protein for every kilogram of lean body mass. And Now,
0: how do you know how many kilograms of lean body mass you yeah, have or how it, many pounds?
1: It's, it's basically how much you would weigh when you were 20 and you were fit and you carrying no You know, 8% body fat. There are uh, some websites that will help you calculate that. The official way to to really know is to get a DEXA scan, which is a a special type of diagnostic that you can get done. But you can guesstimate the amount for me it's about 75 kilograms so if i was ideal weight carrying no fat at all my weight would be 75 kilograms so um so i basically isn't
0: there a calculation that's based on your height and your weight
1: uh the the body mass index it's actually not not a very good one we should do a whole show on on me just just pulling that thing to pieces because from a medical point of view doctors love it but from a mathematical point of view, it makes absolutely no sense. It's it's right. totally totally cuckoo. So
0: all right. So there is a. I saw the keto calculator site out there. Yeah. Which is a like little bit. Yeah, it's a it's a little bit more information you have to plug in, but no. Yeah, so I'm I'm thinking for me uh, about a hundred grams of protein a day.
1: Yeah, that's about yeah. where I and and you know that's not hundred grams of meat. Uh, only a portion of the meat is actually protein. So, mm. um, 300 grams steak is probably going to have about uh, hundred or uh, between 100 and 150 grams of uh, protein in it. So,
0: so there you go. And everything else is from fat. So your strict carbs, less than 20 grams a day, enough protein to maintain your muscles, one gram for every kilogram of lean body mass and everything else you eat fat. Okay. Now move. let's move on to insulin. So what is insulin?
1: Insulin regulates the transport of energy into cells in your body. It basically allows glucose to get into your cells, uh, certain proteins to get into your cells for construction, and uh, it also, although it doesn't allow fats to get into cells, it stops them from getting out of cells. So, Interesting. Insulin is actually a hormone that's made in the pancreas, in, in specific yeah. cells called beta cells. The pancreas makes insulin all the time and it stores it in these beta cells and there are five specific causes that that will cause the pancreas to release it. One of them is the vagus nerve, and that's one of the core metabolic regulators of the body, and that will make sure that there's a basal amount of insulin, a low hum of insulin going through your body perpetually. But it it goes in cycles of three- to six-minute cycles on and then off, on and then off, and Hmm. the purpose of that is to make sure that all of the systems that are listening for insulin – aren't hearing insulin all the time and therefore tuning it out.
0: If you think about it, there's two sides to insulin, right? And this relates specifically to the two types of diabetes, diabetes type 1 and diabetes type 2, where type 1 is not enough insulin and type 2 is too much insulin. So so why do you need it in the first place? What's the upside? What is the positive effect of insulin?
1: The primary role of insulin is to keep glucose from going too high. We spoke last week during the Sugar Show about all of the the horrible things that happen when sugar is too high and the body fights to try and keep it within a range an ideal range and the way that it fights to keep sugar down is by secreting more insulin and so your pancreas will secrete more insulin um, to if your sugar starts to go high you go eat a carby meal your pancreas will secrete more and more insulin now It used to be people would get type 1 diabetes when they were young in their sort of their early teens, and it's an autoimmune disease where the beta cells of the pancreas are actually killed off Mm. by the person's own immune system. They just had a bad cold one day. Their immune system's gone running around the body looking for things that look like that particular virus, and they find the beta cell and they say it looks like it, we're going to take that out. So it's a very sad thing that happens to people, and they can't make any insulin at all. And the problem with them not being able to make insulin is now glucose goes very high because there's nothing to stop it. And uh, and they um, because they can't make any insulin at all, they can't get any of that glucose into their cells. So then there's a, a an entire cascade of horrible effects that, that happens.
0: So you so. do need, obviously you need energy to get into cells. And this insulin is what regulates how that happens and what things get to go in for energy. And glucose is the primary fuel for somebody who's eating, you know, a balanced, quote-unquote balanced diet, right?
1: That's right, yeah. And
0: and so that is good. And it also, uh, what does it do to glycogen, which is your sort of, people think of as the water weight, the, the glycogen that is your store of, you know, like for me, I broke through i'm not in ketosis anymore i imagine my glycogen has been repleted that's right
1: so we spoke last week about the liver's ability and the muscle cells ability to store a little bit of glucose they store about a day's worth of supply for the body and that's in every cell that's in all of your skeletal cells and in in the liver itself has a very large reservoir for the liver's job is is to keep the the brain fed so it stores glycogen in the in the liver and the liver requires insulin to be able to get that glucose in to be able to convert it into glycogen so one of the things that happens with uh, type 2 diabetics so we mentioned last week type 2 diabetics naturally make three times the amount of glucose yeah the diabetics also become insulin resistant and part of that is that well i mentioned last week there's there's a lot of different insults that can happen and any one of these things can make somebody type 2 diabetic and all of them happening at the same time will definitely make you type 2 diabetic but it's things like genetics and how much sugar you eat how much uh, carbohydrates you eat and because you eat glucose you must make insulin and because you eat a lot of glucose all the time, you're making a lot of insulin all the time. Now, mm. the cells that are responding to that message, if they, if they hear insulin all the time, they're going to get bored with it because they, they're going to dial it out, right? Mm-hmm. So what happens is the cells of the liver start to dial out the ability to listen to insulin, and so a type 2 diabetic doesn't become very good at storing glycogen they lose the ability for the muscle cells to get glucose in um, because the muscle cells become insulin resistant and the the cells of the pancreas itself become insulin resistant or insulin toxicity causes them to be unable to efficiently produce insulin
0: so it sounds like when insulin is present there's more glycogen synthesis
1: Yeah. so um so uh Insulin is required to synthesize glycogen in the liver.
0: I see. All right. And then also amino acids building into proteins. This happens with insulin as well. And that's where the term anabolic comes from, right? Right. Like I've heard anabolic steroids. That's really the only time I hear that word. But what does anabolic mean?
1: Anabolic means building up. So you have two processes. Oh. You have a
0: catabolic process
1: breaking down. You have an anabolic process building up. And so okay. insulin is used, is required for uh, some of these amino acids to get into cells, to build up the cell, to um, uh, to do something with it. So, um, so, so you
0: do need some insulin for just natural... Uh... Metabolic function.
1: Yes, that's right.
0: So what's the the downside of insulin?
1: Okay, so there's a couple of things. Uh, One of the things that insulin does is it locks fat into fat cells, and it does this through a mechanism of inhibiting a hormone-sensitive lipase, an enzyme called hormone-sensitive lipase, which is used by fat cells to mobilize fat, so to get it out Uh and for the rest of the body to work on it. The reason the body does this is when you eat a lot of glucose, your body produces insulin. It's doing that to try and get this glucose level down, and it wants to do a couple of things. It wants to use as much glucose as it can. It wants to convert as much of it into fat, and it doesn't want to use any alternate sources of energy. Mm. So it wants to push all of the fat into the fat cells so that everybody's using glucose. Let's everybody use it. We'll get it get that glucose level down.
0: So that's why we say that uh, eating fat doesn't make you fat. High levels of insulin is what actually causes weight gain.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Because because it's not allowing the fat in your cells to be burned as fuel.
1: Yeah, it's not allowing the fat to get out of the fat cells um, and into your cells to be burned. Now, here's here's the thing. If your cells are also uh, insulin resistant, that is they're no longer listening to the message of insulin, mm. not only can they not get fat in to burn, they can't get glucose in to burn. Mm. So at a cellular level, somebody with type 2 diabetes is starving at a cellular level. They don't have energy getting into their
0: cells. And getting heavier at the same time. That's why you're tired all the time after a carby meal.
1: The two most likely strategies when your cells are starving is... One, find more food. And two, consume as little energy doing that as you possibly can. Mm. Now, this is literally gluttony and sloth. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the, we look at these as moral things, but these are really just biochemical results of the, the fundamental
0: biochemistry of what happens to somebody who's insulin resistant. And this is why people say, you know, just eat less and exercise more. What's the matter with you? Yeah. You're lazy. hey yeah, we should do an entire
1: podcast on the myth of... Um, of self-control
0: right and, it's about portion control i hear yeah, that all I the time that right, right as
1: well we think of diet and exercise as being part of our body's metabolism but these are really external events that our body our body's metabolism reacts to like for example today i went for a 50k bike ride and my body's mm. had, reacting by by slowing down my metabolism a bit making me a little bit more hungry And doing these things to fight the weight loss. Well, that's how the body reacts because these things
0: are all external behaviors. All right. So uh, let's talk about salt and in the kidneys with uh, higher levels of insulin. Your kidneys
1: are all the time extracting uh, minerals out of of your blood. Mm Mm-hmm. But if you have high levels of insulin, your kidneys reabsorb the sodium that they've pulled out of, they've filtered out, they reabsorb it and put it back into the blood. This is one of the reasons why people who are type 2 diabetic and eating a lot of carbohydrates have a problem with hypertension. It's it's one of the reasons why high blood pressure is part of the complexus that's uh, called metabolic syndrome.
0: Yeah, that's right. I mean, I I know I've seen many, many people saying they use light salt, you know, that they... Don't uh, try to cut salt and fat out of their diet, and they're doing essentially the opposite of what they should be doing.
1: Yeah, well, isn't if, it? it? Well, if if you're eating a lot of carbohydrates, um, then you don't you don't want to eat a lot of salt because you're reabsorbing it in the kidneys. You're not you're not. It's not
0: going through you like it, it like it normally would. The thing that I come back to again and again, the more I look at this science, and I'm sure you've had this idea many many times, is that people are always looking for a single thing like just cut this out or just add this or just do that and everything will be fine. But it's really about how all of these things work together. It's a more holistic view This uh, that leads us to this ketogenic diet. It's not just that you're eating that you're eating fat, it's that you're not eating carbohydrates. Yes, it's true. And you can't do one without the other. No. If you eat a high fat, high carbohydrate diet, you're gonna—that's a disaster waiting to happen. Uh, absolutely, yes. Even if you eat a low fat, high carbohydrate <laughs> diet, right? I mean, it, so that's, it's all these things that work together. You have to—you can't just do one of, one part of it. You can't just eat, you know, fatty omelets uh, for breakfast and then have fruit.
1: No, that's right. Sugary
0: fruit—you can't right. do that. You have to be all in. Absolutely, the, the the goal really of a low carbohydrate diet
1: is to be able to fully feed the body without raising insulin too high. So there's a couple of other really dangerous effects of insulin. Um, one of them is that it can uh, cause arterial inflammation. That we actually discovered this by accident. There was a uh, a researcher who was uh, he was working with uh, insulin in dogs and he had a an insulin line into a dog's femoral artery and he actually put too much insulin in and within a couple of days the dog had become entirely sclerotic in that artery so it basically hardened up and become atherosclerosis it's it it literally cardiovascular disease on only one side of the, the dog's body, the side that the insulin was going into. So, oh, geez. So they went back and did a, a full a full test with uh, a number of dogs to work out how many days it took for this to happen. People who are type 2 diabetic, we mentioned before, they have high insulin. They have high insulin all the time. And the more that they have high insulin, the more the rest of the body ignores it, the more the pancreas has got to produce more insulin to try and get the message through. Yeah. It's a vicious cycle. Now, you have that high insulin in your veins uh, and arteries and capillaries. You have that for long enough. You're going to get arterial inflammation. You're going to get plaques Mm. forming. And this may be why uh, uh, people with type 2 diabetes have got a fourfold increase in cardiovascular disease.
0: Too much insulin, very dangerous. And uh, not only will it keep you fat, but it's just all these negative health benefits as well. But you do need some. Yeah. This matter of ketosis, which is really the magic sauce for the ketogenic diet, isn't it? This, as we said before, invokes fear in the hearts of many uh, hard, hard-won hard professionals who only see high ketone levels and in ketoacidosis in type 1 diabetics, right. which is a totally different metabolic problem altogether. Yeah, that's you, right. uh, nutritional ketosis is having enough ketones in your blood to feed your brain, but uh, not too many so that you're actually your blood is acidic
1: the fact that we as type 2 diabetics or, or anybody who's not type 1 diabetic any of us who can make a little bit of insulin that's sufficient to stop us getting into levels of diabetic ketoacidosis so that that's actually the critical thing that's, that does it we often think of um, our brain running everything in our body but in fact most of the behaviors of our body are run by a counterbalancing of various hormones working in conjunction with each other yeah and one of the reasons why the insulin is sometimes called the quarterback of hormones is the fact that it drives a lot of our energy behavior so for example mm. i mentioned before the insulin stops fat from getting out of fat cells if you step back a bit and look at it from a holistic point of view insulin is controlling whether you're going to store energy or you're going to burn energy if you have low insulin you're going to burn more energy, you're going to draw down on your fat reserves. If you have high insulin, you're going to suck up energy into your fat reserves for later on. Yeah. And the problem, of course, is with the the modern diet. We have a lot of carbohydrates in our diet that keeps our insulin up for a long time. And for those of us who have a problem with producing too much of it anyway, that makes it even worse for us. And because our insulin is so high for so long, it means that we're putting on weight, more and more weight. So, um, The thing about the ketogenic diet is it takes the foot off the accelerator for insulin. And so all of a sudden our body can, is no longer forced unnaturally to store energy that the body's Mm. able to get to a more, a safer position. So in my case, you know, in five, six months, my body lost a lot of weight till I got, I went from a BMI of 45 to a BMI of 29. So, and that's a fairly significant Mm. drop. And then I just plateaued there for, as I say, eighteen months. Yeah. And meanwhile, my body was getting, becoming healthier and healthier.
0: Let's talk about some of the research behind insulin resistance and uh, patterns. Uh, Dr. Gerald Raven, you cite here, was he one of the pioneers in figuring out this whole metabolic syndrome? He he actually invented the term metabolic syndrome. It used to be
1: called syndrome X, and and he identified that insulin resistance is the core of a lot of this metabolic syndrome. Yeah, but there was actually a guy named Joseph Kraft in. Chicago, I think, is now 95 years old, and there's actually a wonderful video of him being interviewed by Ivor Cummings on on YouTube. We'll put it in the links. But he actually 10 to 15 years before Gerald Raven came up with this concept of insulin resistance, he actually identified five different patterns of, of insulin: one normal one, three insulin uh, diabetes and C two, which is diabetes type two diabetes, and one which is mm. type one diabetes, and He actually worked out that almost a decade before your blood sugars start to go high and your doctor says, oh, you might be getting pre-diabetes, a decade before that, he could actually see the diagnostic results in somebody's insulin assay. He could see 10 years. 10 years beforehand, he could see this person is producing too much insulin, but the pancreas is keeping up. So this person is fine. It's only ten years later. Ten years of producing way, way too much insulin and doing all of that vascular damage. Ten years of that damage later, the pancreas starts saying, "Oh, I, I can't produce as much insulin as we need to be." I'm able to... done. <laughs> it says, it's, "I'm out of here," and that's when your blood sugars start to go up. By the time most general practitioners or primary care practitioners are, uh, are looking at a, at a at a blood glucose and saying, "We might have to test you for diabetes." you've had it for 10 years and you've been wow. doing all the damage for 10 years. So um, that's wow. probably the most interesting thing. about it. But I recommend it. anybody who's interested in in hearing an old retired 95-year-old doctor talk about something he's been working on in the privacy of his world for you know, 50, 60 years, um, it's only just becoming people are just starting to publicize it.
0: So uh, I want to step back a little bit and talk about, uh, my situation right now is after four weeks you know in a plateau in the last week or the last two weeks actually and then um, going off of it I think this is a fairly common pattern that people get into they get into a, a low-carb diet and a ketogenic diet and you know then they hit the wall and it gets frustrating and then some cheat happens or something and boom you know you feel like crap again uh, I gotta say though that the last week, I felt fully adapted. I did not feel flu-like. I didn't have any symptoms. I felt sharp. That's awesome. Yeah, exactly. So, and I know that in keto, once you're keto adapted like that, you can withstand uh, the lapse that I'm having right now. You can withstand a a spike in insulin that lasts for a day or two, and instead of taking a week to get back. In a ketosis, it'll only take a couple of days.
1: Yeah, that's right. Two or three days, I think, is the.
0: But we also talked about fasting hmm. and how fasting can bring on ketosis uh, a lot faster than. But would you, and I know you're not a doctor, but in your experience, do you think it's a good idea for uh, somebody at my stage who has gone through that couple of weeks, been keto adapted, and then had a spike to get back into it with a fast? Or should I? Go slower.
1: I thought I'd never last a fast. Yeah. I thought there is no, – I like my food too much. There is no way I will go kicking and screaming before I go without food. Last weekend, I started doing it just – I basically wagered myself that I couldn't do it. And, yeah. you know, 63 hours later <laughs> – you know, I <laughs> thought, crazy. you know, I could keep going with this, but I think I might stop because I said I'd stop, you know. so. But
0: it, it is, I, I sense danger, though, if you do that for too long. Yeah. is it? Can it be dangerous? I mean, you have to keep your nutrient levels up and you have to, uh, you know.
1: Yeah, you, there, there, there was a guy, there was a Scotsman who uh, had a BMI in the 40s who walked into a hospital and said, oh, I want to become a, a, an experiment of one. Um, I want you to feed me nothing for for as long as I can, as long as you think consider me healthy, and uh, and he he lasted for something like uh, two hundred and fifty days or something. Good lord! Uh, before they said, okay, okay well, we're going to start feeding you now because we're getting very worried about what's happening. So when you're fasting, you're uh, drawing down on your own fat reserves, mm-hmm. and so if you're best adapted to burn fat. Then it's a natural state to be in. If you're best adapted to burn glucose, you need to first of all unwind that glucose adaptation to to become better at burning fat, and that's a painful thing.
0: Yeah. So, you, so what I think you're saying is, do a fat fast. In other words, give yourself enough nutrients to get back into ketosis. Once you're in a ketosis, then maybe go for a, a day yeah, or that's, two. That's
1: right. Now, one interesting thing about you being, I mean, you're you're in ketosis comfortably. You're adapted. You're burning fat. Yeah. You had a slight. Incident with some maltitol, but other than that, you and maybe some blue swimmer crab. But other than that, you, you you're doing fine. <laughs> so um, the one of the things that you can do now is you can start to dial back on the amount of fat that you put on your plate and get it from your body instead. So eat fat to satiety. You're going to be drawing down on body fat all day. Yeah. If you eat more fat than you need energy, you'll be adding some body fat, and right. you, you can do that. Um, it means you gain a little bit of weight, and then you can the next day have less fat and drop a little bit of weight. But that's once yeah, sure. you, now that you're adapted, you have a lot more metabolic flexibility to be able to
0: do that. And it's like having a knob, isn't it? Because you know one of the cool parts of this is that you're not hungry. Like right now, I'm still feeling the effects of the high blood sugar. Like I can, I know that feeling. I'm very familiar with it. You know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I imagine after tonight, maybe tomorrow. That that will subside and my hunger will subside. And that's what happens is that you you, you can be very scientific about it. Yeah. So I like having that dial that you can just turn down and you're not and it's not gonna affect your hunger and uh, your your performance or mental acuity or anything.
1: That's right. I so mean, it'll
0: be interesting to see what happens next week. Yeah, no that'll be interesting. All right, it's time for recipes. heard you mm. say y'all do a little
1: Recipes, 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 recipes. So, would you like me to go first this time? Yeah, you go first this time. Well, so, so you know, I did the fast last weekend, right? And I didn't eat nothing. I ate a bit of uh, green tea with mint. Um, All you got to do is have very few calories. But because Julie wasn't uh, fasting, when she had dinner, just to be sociable, I had something to eat at the same time. I had a couple of tablespoons of chicken stock in a mug of boiling water. And I whisked it up in a magic bullet so that it emulsified and it basically turned white. It was almost like it was almost like chicken mayonnaise, but it was <laughs> it was watery obviously, but it was like a thicker I thicker than just water.
0: Now you're stuck, you cook it down a lot, right? I do yeah. the same thing too. So I end up with not a lot of liquid. Yeah. And I do what you do, which is I freeze it in ice cubes.
1: Yeah. I have uh, one and a half entire freezer drawers full of homemade stock. Frozen as stock as cubes as ice cubes mm. in freezer bags. So, uh, so I'm going to share a recipe for chicken stock, and this one is going to this is a, a roast chicken stock. And I got this nice. from uh, Heston Blumenthal, and I'll, I'll include a link to my blog uh, on how I came up with this. Uh, but I got this from uh, Heston Blumenthal, who has a, a recipe for making chicken stock, but he uses some high carbohydrate ingredients so what i do is i get chicken wings and i get wings with the tips on sometimes they cut the t- they, they think they're being helpful to cut the tips off but really when you're making stock you want all of those uh gnarly bits yeah. because the gnarly bits under the pressure and heat are going to turn to gelatin and there's yeah. nothing better than a stock that is almost solid when you know, put it in the fridge and it comes down as chicken jello
0: so Now, I know about making stock, and the first thing I know is you brown the bones.
1: Yes, that's right.
0: So, I mean, you don't brown the bones, but do you brown the wings? Do you, like, saute them until they get crispy and black?
1: I do, and I have a special trick I got from Heston. He uses uh, uh, skim milk powder and he sprinkles a little bit of skim milk powder over over the chicken wings oh, yeah. and then he roasts them in the in the oven. And you can use baking soda too. You can? I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Baking yeah, baking soda
0: will crisp up a chicken. I know that in a recipe where you want a crispy skin anyway, yeah. Yeah. you use baking soda to dry it out and then oh, you, nice. you know, put it in the fridge overnight and then in the in the morning you know, got all that crispy nice skin. Crispy you can cook it. So
1: I use full cream powdered milk and so it's okay. going to be less carbs. The thing is if you get light milk, you get uh, low fat Anything is going to have more carbohydrates in it. Um, yeah, yeah. that's, that's the quid pro quo. Uh, so I sprinkle a little bit of full cream milk powder over the top and I only, I only, for about 18 wings, I, I only need about five grams of the stuff. So it's a very small amount. The point is that the, the milk powder has a chemical reaction with the skin of the chicken called the Maillard reaction. It's basically cross linking proteins and, and sugars together so that it browns and it gets that you know roast chicken flavor mm, that 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 yeah. unique roast chicken flavor. Nice. Like sometimes I I buy entire carcasses, which is you know just they pulled all the meat off and it's all the bones and gnarly bits left over. Well, gnarly bits are perfect for stock.
0: And you know, in the United States, you can go into any grocery store and get a rotisserie roasted chicken that's already browned on the skin. Yeah. And I make, you can make stock from those, just put it in water Oh, nice. and uh, the meat will fall out. You can make chicken salad from the meat when it comes out, but you know, put it in water, simmer it for yeah several hours and you've got all the brown bits and the gnarly bits yeah. in there.
1: We get those baked chickens or in Australia we call them chooks, baked chook at, the, <laughs> <laughs> at Woolies. Yeah. So um, the, uh, the specific trick for this recipe though is to use the wings because they have the bits that are going to turn gelatinous and i use a pressure cooker
0: ah
1: yeah one of those electric pressure cookers the theory behind that is that if you keep the lid on and keep everything under pressure one it happens quicker so it it only takes me about two or three hours of uh, pressure cooking to do what I would otherwise have to take 24 hours in a slow cooker to do it. And um, the other thing is that because the lid's on, none of the aromats can escape. They've all got to go into the stock. I mean, you have a choice. If you you have an open-top slow cooker, you can make your kitchen smell lovely or you can get that flavor into the stock.
0: So do you... Use the pressure cooker to brown the wings too, or do you do that like in a fry pan? Yeah,
1: no, I do that in the oven. I, I throw them into the oven in the for oven. thirty minutes in the oven. So uh, sprinkle a little bit of, uh, of powdered milk over the top of them. Chuck them in the oven, and then I put onions, uh, brown up some onions in a fry pan. Throw those all into a pressure cooker. Chuck in a bay leaf and you know, maybe some herbs if I want, um, and garlic. I, I don't use garlic in my chicken stock, although you can if you're making a chicken soup, certainly. And,
0: yeah.
1: you know, it, 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 it's really a matter of just – I throw a lot of end bits of vegetables in because you, you're just trying to right. extract some of the flavor out of it. Sure, um, yeah. So, but the majority of the flavor in this thing is going to be roast chicken, and it's
0: delicious. Oh, i got to try that.
1: Yeah. and then, So then I just uh, – I use a, um, a kitchen towel, uh, or you can use cheesecloth or muslin, um, over a strainer, and just uh, basically mm-hmm. empty out the proceeds into a bowl, and then I freeze them into into ice cube trays. If I'm fasting, I'll just put two of those ice cubes in the bottom of a of a mug of boiling water, put it in the microwave for a minute, and then it's chicken stock
0: and add a little butter. because why not?
1: Butter. because <laughs> well, you can. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, let me tell you about my recipe. Yeah. This is the low carb waffle that I discovered, and it, it was sort of. It was sort of a combination of my own, you know, high-carb w- waffle recipe, which I'm used to making all the time, and some waffle recipes that I found online. And I, I'm using this stuff called carb Quick. Okay. And carb yeah. Quick you can get on Amazon, and it's, it's kind of like Bisquick, but low-carb. Oh, nice. Yeah, and it doesn't have a lot of the typical low-carb flour flavors, you know, like soy uh it doesn't it doesn't really have that bad flavor. It's pretty Man. quite nice. So, the ingredients. Half a cup of carb quick, half a cup of heavy cream, two tablespoons of butter melted, two eggs, two ounces of cream cheese, one tablespoon of sour cream, half a teaspoon of baking powder, half a teaspoon of vanilla, quarter teaspoon nutmeg, quarter teaspoon cinnamon, and one packet of Splenda, which is optional. Sure. So you separate the eggs and beat the whites until they're stiff and use room temperature eggs. Right. And if you take eggs out of the fridge, just put them in a bowl of room temperature water for about 10 minutes and then that'll be fine. Then in another bowl, you take egg yolks, sour cream, and cream cheese and beat that until smooth. Slowly add the butter and not too fast because especially if it's been recently melted, you want to let it cool a little bit. So then you add the Splenda, the cinnamon, the nutmeg, the baking powder, vanilla, and uh, mix that up, and add the carb quick, and then slowly add the heavy cream until you get that right consistency for waffle batter. And you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. If it's too thick, it's too thick. If it's too thin, right. So once that's all mixed up, you fold in the egg whites. We do a lot of egg white folding in this show. Yeah. And that's an uh, art form unto itself.
1: It's a necessary one because it gets air into into a mixture.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. And this is the same stuff I would do with waffles, even if it wasn't carb quick or anything else. It's just that you're adding, you have more fat and you have less powder, right? Sure. So you want to cook this in a waffle iron. And I found that like 50% heat was pretty good. Although the ones that I made this weekend, it was interesting. I, I used a higher heat level. And they sort of stuck to the sides, and I don't know if I got the ratios wrong or whatever, but I had to peel the waffle off. You know the oh right yeah the outside got brown before the inside cooked. So now I'm thinking you want to put it on a lower setting and cook it longer. Yeah,
1: you don't you don't use any sprays or anything like that because you got a lot of butter and everything. Got a lot of fat, Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, that makes about three waffles. If the waffle iron isn't working for you, they make great pancakes as well. And each waffle has about one to two grams of carbs.
1: I'm going to have, I, I think I'm going to have to get, my, get me a waffle iron. No doubt <laughs> about it. That,
0: sound, that sounds awesome. And like I said about the pancake syrup before, the Walden Farm syrup is less sweet, but it, like in me anyway, it, it, Splenda doesn't give me that insulin response. However, that Multitol syrup, that Joseph's, wow. Yeah. That was. Uh, that's what did me in. So I, I don't know. Uh, it's good to know. Yeah. I think you should do experiments yourself with maltitol yeah. and use a, a glucose meter and see what, how it affects you.
1: We're all snowflakes. We're all unique. So, uh, you know, for right. a lot of these things that we're all, as Professor Noakes says, we're all an experiment of one and we've got to find out what is unique about us and how we react
0: to the food that we eat. Richard, it's been a pleasure. I always enjoy hearing your, uh, your your comments and your science It's great No worries Carl, thank you very much And uh, I look forward to hearing
1: this when I'm riding my bike
0: again Yeah, <laughs> and we'll see you next week On Two Keto Dudes